Hi, this is Ross Payton here with Roleplaying Public Radio, and this is episode 32, Show and Tell, Maps and Minis. And, of course, with me, as always, is Mr. Thomas Church. Yeah, Ross, I gotta say, just looking across here, watching your mouth enunciate those words to the point that it's comical... <laughs> That's what gets me up in the morning. We're in radio. Well, not radio, but podcasting. It's audio, Tom. You know, I'm trying to method act here. Okay? I see. I see how it is. So, anyways, this episode we're going to be talking about all of uh, ma- using maps, uh, miniatures, uh, handouts, props, all those little gimmicks that um, can make a game shine or you know make it crap. Yeah. Well. Usually, if it's the game's crap, it's not. Or it, well, it can make a it can make a good game even. It can be distracting. Well, it can make a good game great, or it can make a bad game pretentious. There you go. Nice, nice going there, Tom. Um, I try. Of course, we have a couple things to talk about first. First, of course, uh, of course is the uh, New World Primer. It should be out uh, Wednesday, May twentieth, maybe the twenty first at the latest. But we're gonna try uh, the twentieth because yeah. that's the date we said. Yeah, uh, Tom has written quite a bit of it, uh, or not? Well, he's written a lot. Uh, about about fifty seven hundred words. Uh, we it's gonna be over twenty thousand words uh, when it's all said and done. Hey, when we when we hook you people up, we make sure we hook you up with a lot. Yeah, of we stuff. gotta win a. Be above and beyond, we kind of went. Now that I'm actually revising, re- writing, doing all this, it's like, wow, we really we, <laughs> we should ask for what, more. That's money. how we roll. Man. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, our our inability to set the right amount of work for the right amount of money is your game. Yeah, I admit, I wrote some of the. I was writing the adventure hooks for it. I wanted to have ten, hope to have about thousand, fifteen hundred words. It, it got a little bigger. Yeah. So you can you could say that again. So uh, I'm not though. Yeah. Well, we also have some artists. Yes, we do. Uh, we do have uh, uh, three artists who are or four artists actually who are contributing maps, art of the Gripply, art of the uh, Ravenmocker monster, and uh, all kinds of great stuff. Pretty so, good, good looking stuff, man. Yeah. No, I'm I've been very impressed with it. And of course, they'll have a little content, a little about the artists and everything, and the authors, the various writers who are working on it. And uh, so, yeah, uh, be on the uh, lookout for that. Um, yeah. Just so you know, when you put my information on there i'm tom church seven foot nine yeah gorgeous man may uh, uh 60 feet tall and he's made of fire yeah we'll go with that <laughs> anyway uh of course we also have uh, been uh talking about planning out our gin con uh this Since, year yeah, it's, this is our th- this is our third one and first one i think we were a little overwhelmed with everything yeah. Second one, Ross did more. I just I, by finally by the third one, I'm now getting into the swing of it. There we go. Uh, Tom is uh, signing. Up. I'm running six games, of course. Uh, you can look on the Gen Con registration site, and probably uh, I'm under Arc Dreams. Uh, I'm running two games of Delta Green, uh, three games of Monsters, and a game of Wild Talents, which is a superhero game. And uh, yeah. And. Uh, I'm actually going to try and get myself in on a few of those so I can get a game with, with my man Ross here. <laughs> there we go. And Tom, you... you and well, I've you, signed up for some other stuff, Yeah, too. What, what, what have you signed up for? I've signed up for a All Flesh Must Be Eaten. Yeah. Kind of a... I uh, forget the actual name of it, but it's it's like you're, you're it's like a 1980s kid in a high school detention. Nice. Kind of so like, the, like the Breakfast Club breakfast with Breakfast Club with Zombies. I was... That. Yeah. I would totally play in that if I wasn't. I totally would. Be, uh, totally busy. So. And I've signed up for a Star Wars game. Really, the from what I've seen so far, the only Star Wars D twenty game. Okay, that's a good. 
that's going. I'm the only one that signed up for it so far. So far. But I this have, is I, May. But I have people. Yeah, you have people. I okay. have people. Um, and I have also signed up for Mutants and Masterminds, so I'll have one of the rare pleasures of actually me getting to play it. Uh, what uh, what Mutants... There's quite a few going on, I believe. Uh, uh, it's it's uh, Freedom Isn't Free. Okay. I, I remember that one. You're not doing the G.I. Joe one? It's, yeah, no, no, no place is open for it. Oh, too late. I waited a few weeks, so therefore a lot of the good shit. Yeah, gone. I told you that. Did you I? You totally did. I told you. You totally so. did, and I totally didn't listen to you. Yeah. And yeah. I. So what happens when I don't listen to you? I my life is ruined. Pretty much. If I, if I listen to your advice, I will live long. Just and so prosper. you know, some of the friends and uh, players of RPPR, uh, Jason, who plays Cassius in the New World Primer, He'll and be his friend Linton, and uh, of course Aaron. And uh, I don't. Has Aaron signed up for anything? Um, I'm actually going to force him to you know, this, you know, th- this week. Otherwise, he hasn't even bought his badge yet. Ooh. And well, said, that's not that. Well, not... no, he said he would do that back in March. Ooh. Well, he has this habit of putting things off. Jason and Lynn and I talked to them. They're they're they've signed up for a bunch of events, yep. uh, a bunch of games. So uh, I forgot exactly what they said. They're going to email me. So what? Uh, of course, why does this matter to you? Well, you, the listener, will get a blow by blow description of all these awesome games. Tom's going to be re- hopefully going to be recording. Oh, well, I am going to. Re- well, and, and I'm. I have the equipment. I bought my own recorder. Yeah, the Zoom H2. Oh, Zoom H2, awesome machine. It is. And as if hopefully I will get you know. Get you know word back from them if it's hard if we do that. Yeah, we I I, I don't see a problem with that. So uh, of course, and I'll also be, I'll be running some games of my own unofficially just with people. Yeah. So uh, um, that, yeah, that's true. Uh, if you wanted to uh, play with the RPPR crew and you don't want to sign up for the tickets, uh, get on the forums. Get on our forums at slangdesign.com/forums and. Uh, uh, try and post a thread, and we'll we'll schedule some stuff together when we all have free time, and uh, so you can be running the game yeah, under. I'll top, have a lot more free time it. than Ross will. Yeah. Uh, oh, I also did talk to uh, Mr. Scott Glancy, who is of course doing the Call of Cthulhu playtest, which we've done every year. Uh, he said we he'll have some open seats for some of our friends as well, so we'll have a whole our some of the RPPR crew playing and dying and going crazy and in World War One, World War One, uh, either. Which you know, and if you know, going crazy, and if it, uh, World War One if it wasn't enough to get you crazy, yeah, throw in some Cthulhu mythos. Uh, and speaking of that, our anecdote this week is from uh, Mr. Scott Glancy himself uh a anecdote from well from friends of his uh about the walker in the waste campaigns a uh, one of the classic uh era campaigns of uh call of cthulhu uh, where you go ithaca the the wind walker yes and, and um it's called the chaplain incident yes and uh i i laughed out loud i lolled when i read it <laughs> literally in fact my in fact i was in fact my uh mother who was in the other room was like well, what's going on like just laughing. <laughs> so, um, oh, and also, that. I think we mentioned, but hopefully, my friend Andy that I have gone on and on about will be joining us too. Yes, and that's your letter this week, right? Well, my letters. I'm going to read an excerpt from something he wrote, not the whole thing, but you know, talk about him talking about some of his favorite games and favorite moments. Okay, cool. Uh, all right. So why don't we get to the main topic: the use of maps. The meat, yes, yes, the meat of the uh, the of the sandwich that is RPPR. If this that's a really bad metaphor. It's all right, it? dude. It's it's, 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 it's Sunday. It's late. We understand. <laughs> I've been playing D anD D. Actually, I've been uh, uh, playing actually, the hell out of it. I know. Uh, I've been uh, uh, playing a rogue stabbing thing. So it talks like Tony Soprano. But anyways, uh, enough about that. We we are talking about maps, miniatures, props, and handouts, and these are staples of tabletop games. 
gaming. And um, some work, some games more than others. Yeah, and we've all had quite a bit of experience with them. Um, I think we'll get a little theory uh, out of the way, and I think the main theory that I'm going to state is that maps, all of these little gimmicks, these little extras to the game, will help the game as long as they don't detract or distract from the core of the gaming, which means if you're running a game or playing in a game and you're spending more effort and time and focus on the handouts, the maps, the minis, mm-hmm. and all that other junk, then it, it, it's hurting your game. But otherwise, it will help your game. Yeah. And and so basically, my advice is to try and put some effort into doing this. Now, um, of course, the biggest example, the, the bulk, I think, of this category would be maps and miniatures. and that Particularly with, you know, D&D. Fourth and Ed. Fourth Thir- and Third Ed. Um, combat. And when... It, it's sort of built on the, the ground up from this uh, square by square thing, uh, one inch square maps with uh, miniatures moving them around, figuring out area of effects, mm. and it makes ta- uh, very tactical combat where you have to manage resources and it's uh, watch it's, where you step. And, I think I think yeah. it makes the combat. I th- I I think combat would suck without it. I think especially I mean fourth ed is built. So you can't do it. But even in third ed, you could do it without it. It just would suck. Well, I think most they help avoid the uh, "nah, uh this happens" kind of yeah. thing. Which uh, it, even at even at twenty nine years old, I still get that shit. Yeah, you really, you really do. Like when you're running tactical combat, you really need to have a concrete understanding of the spatial relationships but i mean that's a really fancy way of saying you need to know where everything is and how yeah. how much distance is between it and all that junk so um accents slip there we're sorry <laughs> <laughs> but really i think uh my guy the thing is my personal preferences i think are very utilitarian and pragmatic which is to say I am not one of... I used to... I tried to paint miniatures for a while. Like, I remember that. You went over to one person's house, one person's yeah. apartment, yeah. And I realized I would never get very good at it. And even if I did get very good at it, I it would just be far too... T- I would never want to use them. Um, dry brushing, which is where you get only a few flecks of paint on a brush and just brush it on there ever so gently for highlights. I mean, and, I, I just saw that. It's like, no, I'm I'm, I'm sorry. Done. I can't see myself trying to paint eyebrows onto an Imperial <laughs> Marine figure from yeah, Warhammer. I exactly. Just, I can't do it. Well, they Imperial Marines wear helmets, Tom. Well, Lottie they, freaking da, Ross. <laughs> uh, it's not a Necron skull. So anyway, uh, that, so basically there. my personal habits are I uh, use whatever minis I have handy, which are mostly I have this box full of third ed miniatures from yeah. the, the, the war game. And, and I just grab whatever's vaguely appropriate. Yeah. For us players, we normally try to dig through and find things that look like us. Yeah. And but, but really after that, it doesn't. As long as, as long as it's kept clear, as long as there's not too many enemies yeah. that we have to do. Wait, what is this? What is that one? Yeah. As, as as long as you can do that, you know, and usually what they call the combats you've run, four there's four to five monsters max, and we're pretty sure what each one is. Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing is you 
you you you don't want to get too uh, uh, wrapped up in this stuff. I mean, in the miniatures, like I said, um, and with the maps, though, um, like what I do, my my favorite trick now is I used to have the battle maps, those those mm-hmm. reusable markers and things like that. And oh that, yeah, and, it, and as we progressed, you draw it out. Yeah, and that that doesn't work. I don't like using the markers. I know a lot of people do, but I don't like using the markers because they they get scuffed up. You use the wrong type of markers, and then they're permanently on the battle map. And blah 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 blah. blah. So what I do now is. Is you go to Staples or Office Depot and you can get a big sheet of like uh, two by three f- feet of uh, a square, one inch square uh, pieces of paper. And mm-hmm. you put it, you just pull one sheet off. Like I got 30 sheets for like 30 bucks. And you pull one off, you put it on the table and, and it has a little sticky. It's like a giant sticky note with mm-hmm. one inch grid on it. And uh, that's what I've been using for the last couple months now. And... Even if you use one a week, that's, you know, 30 sheets. That's like 30 weeks worth. And I use more than I've, – I've used these for multiple weeks. And you can just draw on it with pencils. And use both sides. Yeah. Well, no, the, this one you can't. But uh, You can get on both sides. Yeah, you can get them on both sides. And I found it works really well. So the main thing I think the biggest – my personal thing is to do something that's cheap and effective. You know, uh, so you get the miniatures because they're made out of plastic. They look pretty good. And you can get stuff that vaguely looks like what it's supposed to be. You use the paper with a one-inch grid on it because it's cheap and you can draw on it directly. You can even draw area of effects and all that other junk. And, um, or you can erase it. So that, that's sort of my, my guiding guidelines. Right. Now, you've run... Uh, I've run a 3.5 D&D game with miniature, miniatures and maps and tactical combat one time for my yeah. group. I like to say my group does not like tactical combat. Yeah, unlike my group. Yeah, unlike well, unlike our the group we do here. Right. No, uh, when the the only fight that they really believe they should have any trouble doing is a boss fight. Right. Which is why when I, I we, when we ran the, the uh, Age of Masks game, I so loved it that no mooks can actually kill you <laughs> if you know the dice are unkind. Oh yeah, Aaron's character. Yeah, uh, Aaron's character, of course, playing a. Uh, masked Avenger type, and the uh, mooks had guns and knives, and uh, used guns them and knives well. hurt. Yeah, uh, but no, I did it. Especially if you roll poorly. Yeah, and the thing is, I did it, and they liked it. Yeah, and it kept you know it kept a lot of the. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying I have a lot of the no that doesn't happen yeah. kind of thing. Well, it, it'll happen. It but it, it virtually eliminates it. Right. As long you know, as long as you know that you know, as you as long as you know the system and yeah. know that. Hey, wait! You're wearing full plate armor. How did you move eight squares? Exactly, exactly, and in, in a single round. Yeah. Um, um, so I did. You know, the, they liked it. Mm-hmm. They talked about it. The problem is, they just. I think you know. While they liked that particular session, I think it would take some training to get them into doing that regularly, mm-hmm. especially with non D and D games. Yeah. Like mutants and masterminds is what I run with them all the time, <clears throat> and I really think for some fights it would be really good. But also, his table is always cluttered. Hmm. It's you know, there's just nowhere to lay out a big sheet of paper. Yeah, that is that. a practical consideration. You do need space and the maps and the minis and all that. Right. So, so I I think no, I like them. I hmm. do, but I like them really only when combat comes. Right. I don't. I mean, I hate you know the stereotypical dun, you know dungeon crawl where you start on one space of a map. Yeah. And it's slowly drawn out. I I don't like that shit. Hmm. It's just it's it's monotonous, it's boring, and I think some combat's good, but that feels like it feels like a four hour combat session, which really drains me. Mm. 
Uh, and and not every player feels that way. A lot of them really like. No, it. and a lot of a lot of players do. Um, yeah. And if you do that, then then more power. Well, I think you know. Well, you, to make that effective, you have to know that one of the core rules: know your group, yeah. know what they like. Um, you know, one thing I think. Now we've tried some other things. For example, I got these uh, dungeon bendy walls. Uh, uh-huh. which they're little, each one is one inch long and they're just a little generic stone wall and you can clip them together. And now I, I, I kind of use them when I need to, but like yeah. it, it wasn't as effective as I, I wanted because they fall over. So gimmicky stuff like the 3D terrain and stuff like that, I, I wouldn't really recommend unless you just really got the cash to burn because it's, it's, even if you get all that stuff, that's like twenty bucks or fifty bucks for yeah. something that's only going to be used in a one-hour fight. Yeah, and especially especially or when a two-hour fight. Why, and why would you want to spend that when, if you want to signify that you're at a higher elevation, just put your miniature on a die yeah. in the map. That's what we do. Well, I think if you really want to have specialized terrain for a fight, like a big boss fight or something like that, um, if you if you're a arts and crafts kind of person, you there's a lot of three D paper cutouts you can get. Not like origami, but like if you go to RPG.now, yeah. they have terrain that you can print out and then fold up and, you know, yeah. glue together. I've been in games with card, like card foam yeah. terrain. Um, there's a lot of arts and crafts ways to do this stuff. But if you're not into arts and crafts and just right. don't want to deal with it, you don't have to. Like, I've got some war game terrain that I've used over and over again. Like, right. that same fence and that same hill has been used quite a few times. And different worlds. Yeah. It, it travels. It, it does. Um, it's like the Doctor Who of landscape. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I said that. Um, so the dungeon bending walls, I wouldn't really, and the gimmicky stuff, I wouldn't really recommend because it's just you're spending too much money for something with too little benefit. I mean, you have to think of the cost benefit ratio. I mean, you get a book for like fifty bucks, but you can use yeah, that. And book it might all. look pretty, but at the end, it's about- well, you're only gonna unless you're gonna it's only gonna be appropriate for so many fights. I mean, like maybe one or two fights or something like that, or one. I mean, unless you're gonna have everything around. The, if you have this awesome altar with blood stains and demon demonic sigils on it, it's like, well, either they're gonna be fighting the whole campaign around that same altar, or and trust me, like. And trust me, your players will start to get tired of that. Like, yeah. oh, good, we get to fight next to the big giant bloody altar again. <laughs> like, yeah. like, aren't we in? Like, aren't we in a fey glade? Yeah. Yes, but the altar is still there. Thank you. It's another altar. Your whole campaign's going around to these altars. It's a series of altars. It's it's a. <laughs> um, the other thing, though, uh, if you want something for a lot more bang for your buck, uh, you should get some mapping software and uh, try that out. There's two. There's some. There's some free stuff. Dungeon Craft. Now, I've I recently bought uh, Dungeon, which is uh, available from Dungeon mm-hmm. Software, and it's a tile-based software where you just you use a stamp tool or things like that, and you can just stamp things out on a hex or on a square map, and then print it out. And you've seen some of the maps I've we done. used it last game. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, it's the for me like the learning curve is very simple because it's basically a very very simple version of photoshop with kind of limited layers like there's a floor layer a wall layer and then you can move things around and erase them if you're at all familiar with photoshop you can pick this up in like an hour and then the main thing is you don't you don't open the software and then start making a map you have to have an idea of what kind of map you want first i mean that's kind of like you write you you pull up word and you're like oh what am i going to write you know, yeah, it's you don't want the words to wander around your mind like lambs. Yeah. So if you have a plan, if you know what type of map you want, uh, then Dungeonie would be really cool. The only the only weak points are, and there's two. One, tech support sucks on it. Like I've tried, like 
I couldn't download it from their website from my home computer. I actually had to go to another computer, another at a different house in order, or actually it was at the college lab, uh, computer mm-hmm. lab, to download it because there was some bug where you couldn't download it if there was a certain firewall, and you know I couldn't disable the firewall because it was at my ISP and not you know. So it was, right. and then I emailed them the day it happened, and they never got back to me. So I just had to wind up downloading it from somewhere. I did else. that with a flight sim I bought. Yeah, and, and, yeah. I I emailed them twice. And it's been eight months yeah. so far. So. so that sucks. And two, it's forty bucks, and it ships with a very limited number of tiles. Like it, it, I had to sort of make, even with just doing a generic dungeon, you know, I had to make, you know, it, it doesn't have many objects in it. And there's user packs of art you can download for free and things like that. But still, it's just. Uh, it, it's if you can make your own art, especially if you or, or if you look at the user art they have on their website, then mm-hmm. that would be very good. Uh, but otherwise, it's just eh, I don't know. Well, I, I like it because the interface is very simple. And there's another, there's some other programs like Campaign Cartographer, which is based on CAD, computer aided design, which is fucking ridiculously complex unless mm-hmm. you're familiar with CAD. And then there's Fractal Mapper, which I haven't tried out yet. So, but it's 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 I would say Dungeon Genie is a is a decent. So. Good thing to get started with. Yeah, I mean, try their demo demo out. I mean, right. you can't you, see if that works for you. So um, that 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 that's a good way of getting a lot of bang for your buck if yeah. you, if you, for your mapping yeah. needs. Try the demo, unless you got a lot of cash tomorrow, in which case you, you could donate some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're always uh, we're we're, always we're, right, we're we're shameless with our hands out all the time. Exactly, exactly. So. Um, you know, and you don't need a map for every game, and you don't need a ta- even a battle map for every game. I think uh, really all you really need is a. Uh, Particularly, it's when combat shows up. Well, as long as you have a concrete spatial understanding of what, well, where was, everything is. Well, yeah, in I would say, but to, even if you do, your players yeah. might not. Yeah. So basically, all you need, at the very least, all you need is a couple pieces of scratch paper that you can say, "All right, you're here. He's here. This is how long." You know. Yeah, that's 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 the. I, I, that's the type I have to use. Yeah. Because so. ironically, my players also want to know everything about the room. Like, okay, you know, it's mainly, what can we use in this room for a makeshift weapon? Yeah. Is there the wet bar? Is there lots of hard liquor we can use? <laughs> you know, there's a, you might want to get Dungeonie because then you could print out, you know, 8x10 maps of uh, these rooms and things like that. And then get if you get the modern map art pack, you could probably fill all that in. Yeah. I'd, I'd mention a, a game that uh, my friend Andy has started, but... My friend Jake and Aaron have also taken to doing their own our fight night maps they have. Yeah. Which are just uh you know, maps of just various locations, bars, restaurants, concert halls, kind of th- things like that that they just they pre made yeah. that they can you know, just print a copy out and have a fight night in it. Okay. What is the fight night? Uh it's ba- it's using uh Andy's sis- Andy's system. I don't yeah. know, the D X system. Is it player it. versus player fighting? Uh no. It's player- it, it can be if you want to, but mostly it's uh Actually, it's it's uh, themed. There's like generic, you know. There's mooks, meta mooks, and like elites. Okay, They're, I'm missing one. Okay, so it's just fighting. But uh, they also they they take they have different themes. So they have like an '80s cartoon. Okay. Version where you know the you know the the simple mooks might be Smurfs. Well, I was just asking what they did. So they fight. They fight. Okay. And uh, question answered. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, one thing though, uh, before we go on to the other Hannah uh, miniatures, I think just in general, just get whatever's like I said earlier, just get whatever's handy. I would definitely not recommend unless you're a really hardcore Warhammer person or whatever. Don't use the elaborate hand painted pewter, you know, miniatures mm-hmm. that you've lovingly painted because they're going to get a lot of wear and tear on the gaming table, you know, and somebody knocks it over or somebody positions it wrong. Spills it, Bill. Cheeto covered fingers. Spills a Dr Pepper all over exactly. the exactly. Um, so go to your gaming store, pick up the, the, the cheap crappy ones. You can get, you know, five for a dollar or whatever. Uh, get the discontinued minis games. Like there's one for sci-fi called AT43 that has bargain bin, you know, uh, fire sale clearance levels. Uh, go on eBay, just pick up crap loads of vaguely appropriate minis for very cheap prices or cardboard counters. Although now, if you're a player, you, 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 you're going to want to shop around for several hours just yeah. trying to find the perfect miniature that matches your character. Yeah. Which I know because that's what I've done before. Yeah. And, you know, the thing, the great thing about miniatures, though, is that you can do – you it, they're three-dimensional. So you can try three-dimensional things on them. Like, uh, you know, a person on our forums discussed a how he, um, for a D&D game, put all the players' miniatures in a plastic – container and put it on the map and said oh well that's the room you're in and that's the size so we'll do that so the the dice don't hit the minis or whatever and then later on oh you uh the trap starts he started pouring water in the container <laughs> it's like yeah. that's how high it is for your character it's like oh but i'm playing a halfling well you suck. <laughs> yeah. hope you can swim pretty well and so the entire there the the players were like oh my god it it becomes more real it becomes more suspenseful more thrilling dad like oh shit i'm gonna drown Unless my you know yeah. little plastic guy gets out of there, so you become attached to those little plastic guys. Exactly. So that think of things like that. Like someday I want to run an Iron Man sort of like combat thing where everyone uses cheap miniatures, and then like whenever the character dies in that, you destroy the miniature. So <laughs> yeah. uh, just like ah, like on the Fourth of July, that's what I want to do. It's like, uh, like, have, like oh, you die. Well, we're gonna take a brief two minute break to attach some M80s to this <laughs> son of a bitch and. Just, Bam! All right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, no, combat can continue now. Exactly. So, uh, you know, that's, that's just you how know, we, I... Th- well, we live in the city limits. That might be a problem. Well, we, we can go outside of the city limits, Tom. Where do we go outside the city limits, Ross? I don't know. Well, Did... you're going to have to think of that, aren't you? <laughs> that's in July. We'll figure that out. Um, so, let's, let's talk a little more about the other, the other gimmicks of tabletop uh, gaming. Hand, well, handouts. Handouts. The paper. When we mean handouts, we mean the paper ones, you know. Yeah. Um, this is like, you know, everything from news clippings, photos. Yeah. Messages, maps. You know, uh, text, documents. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I... Personally, I tend to use them in published scenarios. Like, Call of Cthulhu has so many... Yeah, they're good. They're very good with Yeah, there's... One of the reasons why I've run so many just... I've almost never run an improvised or home-written Call of Cthulhu scenario because Mm -hmm. there's so many good ones out there that are already published. So I just grab them, print them out, or print the handouts out and hand it out to the players. I mean... Yeah. um, So that's what I do. What about you? Well, um, normally I tend to make my own. Like, remember the Call of Cthulhu game I ran... I actually I try to make up some, well, you know, official you know, Nazi Nazi Germany military order documents, you know, that look like they came from an inkjet printer. It's very hard to make them truly authentic, but you know, I handed those out. And I, you know, what I like about those is, especially for orders, you can print different characters, different orders, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's a lot of fun when you do that, and the players don't know. 
Yeah, like um, there's a very effective scenario uh, for call, a very great scenario called a machine tractor station thirty seven. We we talked about this one before. Um, I've run it twice, um, both with similar <laughs> results. Not quite the same though. Um, and for that, what I did is I printed out the character sheets, and each character has a set of secret orders. And what I did is I took some cheap Manila folders and mm-hmm. stapled the uh, character sheets to the folder. So when you open it up, you could see both your character sheet and your orders, and nobody else could see them because of the Manila. Folders. Older. Yeah. And that was very effective in getting that uh, the players involved in the game. Yeah. So I do think if you're going to use handouts, the more realistic you can make them, the more effective they are. Well, what do you think is the the, the sort of the cut line between cost benefit ratio in terms of like how okay. much time? Do you okay. Spend? Well, like okay, like I did for mine when I had the you know Nazi document documents, I actually looked really hard to find a you know the graphic for the. Not just the swastika, but you know the official, you know the Nazi Germany imperial, you know, th- you know image put on all the documents. That actually was kind of harder than I thought. Hmm. I'm t- you know just do stuff like that, and you know, don't just make it uh, some words on a sheet. Add a, you know, add an image or something. Or you know, if you're going to do a newspaper article, actually ma- you know make it, you know, put it in a format of a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, a lot of programs make that easy to do. Yeah, actually, uh, like in Call of Cthulhu, there's uh, uh, websites where you can generate telegrams mm-hmm. and things like that. So um, I, I could see that, but like, what, how much is too far? I mean, um, I don't, I don't think I've ever actually. I mean, I've had some people who have tried to, uh, you know, when they get like older documents, have tried to artificially age, age them. them. Yeah, like, like uh, tea you know, stains. So, you know, tea stains, burning off, you know, setting fire to some of the edges, mm-hmm. which is okay, but it. It's really not necessary. Okay, unless it's like an int- unless it's integral. That- so for you, it's the uh, the matching the document that it's supposed to be. Yeah, I, uh, it's a lot easier if it's like emails or a <laughs> thing, uh, things like that. But right. you can do you can do it for documents, and of course, don't make them too big. Don't, mm-hmm. You know, don't have like a full mission briefing, debriefing kind of thing. Right. Because you know, if you hand those out, players aren't going to want to read them all. That's true. Well, you know, sometimes they do, and uh, that that I remember running Delta Green at night on Owl's Head Mountain, which is on in our actual plays, uh, one of our first ones we did. Yeah, I was I was in that one. Uh, and there were times when everybody was reading all the different handouts, so like nobody talked for like three minutes or something like that. Yeah. So I had to tell the the people who were listening, like, just for you listeners at home, we're uh, the players are reading all the handouts. So. so I will try to entertain you. Yeah, something like that. And um, but yeah, I you know. I'm, you know, there's a limit, you know, to good length and excessive length. Yeah. You know, don't don't put out a novella, novella worth of crap. Yeah, that's true. And uh, and also it could be helpful, you know, print out if it's something that everyone needs to see. Just print out enough copies so they don't have to keep trading the same one around. I think the thing is, you have to keep in mind, players are like very much. Um... I wouldn't say ADD, but they are trying to game. They're not trying to. They're not going to have their analytical, yeah. critical thinking. I mean, they, some may, but it's not going to be as critical as the, if they were like, you know, taking a test that would determine their, you know, potential for the rest of their life. They're they're going to read that a little more carefully. So maybe the rule of thumb is to use the executive summary version. Like mm-hmm. the president does not read every fucking thing that comes across his table because nothing would get desk. done. Yeah. So they do these one page executive bullet summaries. Points. Yeah. Bullet points. So what you do is you write a document that has the bullet points or the executive summary of something. And that, that's what you use. I mean, that's like, um, 
I mean, honestly, I don't think I've really done many, like, I've done handouts, mm-hmm. but they've been more for the flavor. Like, right. like you, you've created a lot of handouts, right? Or, uh, yeah, yeah, I've created a lot of handouts for, like, the Gargoyles game, I did a lot of those for that. Okay, um, well, I mean, what purpose did you use them in the game? Well, I've always, I've always kind of think it's better to show than to tell, hence. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, if it's just, you know, if they're going to someone to get some information, then they can just speak it, that's mm-hmm. fine. But say like you know they actually take the time to go to the uh, library, the museum, and find mm. these old documents. I find you know it's a lot more effective than you know rather than just tell them what they find mm-hmm. and what it says. To okay, here's what you find. Okay. I, I think you know if they can actually look at something real, you know that they found, it works a lot better. And that way, you know, and that way that say that then they they have to go tell another player what they found instead of trying to you know it's like. Well, either two things, either actually verbate them, tell them everything. Right, right, right. Or do what more often happens. All right, I tell them everything that's happened. Okay. Just do, it's really easy, like, here, I found this. Well, I mean, um, for the handouts in the game, do they all serve the um, the service of advancing the plot? Advancing the plot and inf- information. Sometimes I just do it because I think it's cool. Okay, well, like, what, what do you mean by it? Well... One time, you've used photos a lot more than I have. Yeah, well, that's what sort of what I was getting at. But yeah, uh, um, but one time, one time, I uh, they were actually uh, they were following this guy that there was this investigative reporter that it was in front for my Gargoyles game that was investigating you know supernatural activity in New York City, and there was rumored that he had some photos that were you know threatening you know they were threatening you know, to expose the supernatural community in this in there so. I took. I got a lot of, uh, you know, got a lot. Of, got a lot of photo. You know, kind of. More like more. I, I did scenes from movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, you know, actual just photos. I did some. I did, did a little bit of little bit of good art from DeviantArt. Right. And printed out like eight photographs of like supernatural monster looking stuff. Okay. Which was a lot more effective, and they liked that. You know, and especially you know especially when I put like I scroll. I actually scrolled some handwritten notes like he had. Written. Right. Right. Which to me, to them, they liked a lot more because they could see what the problem was. Like, oh man, we can't, we can't let these get out. Okay, okay. So it was more of a. Um, so yeah, that's I guess handouts can serve two functions, which is one, advancing the plot. Like mm-hmm. here's how, here's the summary of the research that you did, which is their common thing. And then they're sort of adding to the flavor, to the theme, the right. atmosphere of the game, and, and that, especially if atmosphere is really important. Yeah. Um, like for me, what I've, I've done a lot of that. And, uh, for example, I was running night floors, which we've recorded, but I just haven't posted yet. Uh, night floors is a Delta green call Cthulhu scenario where the players go investigate a missing painter in a apartment building in New York, in Manhattan and very weird, bad things happen. And especially at night, which I recall, we only went the, there at yeah, night. Yeah. It's night floors for a reason. And, the thing is, they, they, a lot of the uh, the scenario describes, like, the painter's apartment, for example, is covered in random things. She's just glued in all these things on her floor, on her the walls, the ceiling, the floors. And so, the, and it just describes them in very vague terms. So I grabbed, like, I found this uh, one website called Project Facade. It was talking about World War II era plastic reconstructive surgery. Mm-hmm. And very primitive reconstructive surgery. So it's right. actually, the, the results are pretty kind of, you know, gruesome. I mean, and then just a lot of old photographs in general. I found this one thread on something awful called Old Images That, that Creep 
creep you out, you mm-hmm. know, creep you the fuck out, and uh, or something like that. And there's like, oh, it's a goldmine of really creepy yeah. images. And I was like, oh, well, fuck, I'll just use this. So I just grabbed about a, ha- a dozen Particularly of... old black and white ones. Yeah, yeah, old black and white. And that's just the the. the For goat. some reason, color-corrected digital photos just don't do it as well. There are exceptions. I could there, find correct. Well, yeah, there are some. But I had a black and white printer, so I did with what I, I wasn't going to print it. And it looks a lot better, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, so I grabbed a lot of those, and here's some of the things you find. And then I grabbed, uh, like, the text of a schizophrenic woman and uh, things like that. Uh, and, and, written. and it may not have anything to do with the story whatsoever. Right. But if it's if you're running a horror game and it's creepy, it puts your players in the right frame of mind. And I think it could it could work in other genres, too. I mean, like, yeah. uh, uh, like if, you, if, you, if you do a fantasy thing, maybe like a ballad or something like that written or, down. Or if it's artwork, uh, or like a tapestry. Or yeah. an action game, it could be, you know, a bunch of... Of military reports and uh, there you go and they, they they don't necessarily advance the plot but they kind of give you the flavor like you're sneaking into a like an illegal uh colombian you know drug factory and you find these reports that talk about how the you know oh the the subjects in this drug factory the subjects of the test subjects were all killed by it continue the test or yeah. the or the number of uh, w- young women that have gone missing and the and then like another report that says there's an increase in the number of drug addicted prostitutes showing there up. you go there you go so uh yeah, so- Anyway. I think, yeah, it can work for pretty much most genres. Yeah. Um, you just have to think... So, But they all come in these, I think, two flavors, either advancing the plot in some way or advancing the flavor. the flavor, yeah. And, both of which I think are important. I mean, you could have a thing that does both, but I think primarily you can do one or the other. I mean, mm-hmm. so... Um, but of course, then there's the the three dimensional handout, the prop. The, and this is where it sort of gets a little weird. A little esoteric. Yeah. Um, in general, it, it, it's sort of uncommon because you're sort of going from tabletop to LARP, and we oh the dreaded L word, you know. Well, I think <laughs> no, I think we all do some LARPing at some point in a game, whether we and we don't even intention, we don't even consciously feel it happening. But I, I, especially with my group, my group, I know they're one of their favorite things is interacting with NPCs, right? And conversations, and I, and you know, one time I actually used a 3D prop. Yeah, they were I they were in, they were meeting with the head of a of a a mystically inclined crime organization. Okay, and they, I mean this and they were they finally got it. They had to actually do a whole session of getting a, just arranging an audience with this guy. Yeah, kind of a you know really Asian kind of Fu Manchu kind of thing. <laughs> and I was I was actually kind of doing a pretty effective not so much Asian voice but creepy bad guy voice mastermind voice. Okay, and it. Actually, it went on for nearly 45 minutes. Okay. And it was just, you know, negotiation, trying to one-up the other. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, indirect prick-waving. Right, right, piss, right, You know, pissing contest. Right, right. And I, I was waiting. I waited until, you know, I just I've kind of felt the right time that everyone was, like, really into character at that point. Mm-hmm. And I had an airsoft pistol. Okay. And I just slammed it in the center of the table <laughs> as as the uh, head of the crime organization. Right. And it's one of those things that, you know, the things that can, you know, immediately just draw everyone's attention right to that. Yeah. You know, and a gun, a gun is a great way to do that. Okay. So that's what I did. And there was silence for about 30 seconds. <laughs> nice. Now, of course, uh, we aren't recommending that you go out and wave guns at players' faces. No. No. Tom, you, you just put it on the table. You I just, I, well, I, yeah. not, I put it, you know, I kind of slammed, mostly slammed it on the table. Right. Which is enough to just, you know... 
I, I didn't quite do the Christopher Walken King of New York nine millimeter pointer thing. Yeah, right. But um, but we here at RPPR advocate gun safety. Uh, and, yes, uh, yes. Don't we do. don't yeah don't please don't start waving guns unless it makes your game better. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, we're gonna get that lawsuit. Well, later. don't well okay. Don't do it to intimidate your players. Don't point a gun at anyone's head or, or face or any part or of the. Or don't body. point a gun at anything you don't intend to kill. Exactly. So unless you really have to kill that player. Uh, well, unless it's a Dragon Ball Z game. And you... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. or and this also goes for other weapons. But anyway, so uh, that's a really good uh, uh, handout. Or, I mean, sorry, uh, prop. prop. Um, yeah, props I, I don't have as many uh, experiences with. Uh, Neither I... do I. They're pretty rare, actually. Yeah. Um, I remember one kind of ineffective one I remember yeah. was a game our friend Chris was running. Yeah. You were in it for one session, I believe. But yeah. there was one where we, we had to meet with this guy who might have been the reincarnation of an ancient hero. Mm-hmm. And he would only talk with, talk with one of us, but he would only converse with us if we, you know, he was, if we, we, if they both wore these theatrical masks. Right. Which Chris brought. Yeah. And he required us, he put one on and insisted whoever, you know, did the talking had to put it on too. Yeah. And it was just, it was a little... Yeah. In... A little... Off-putting. Off-putting. Unner- unnerving, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Ed finally, it was, you know, finally valiantly decided to yeah. be able to do that. Yeah. And this is one of those, like, it just rubbed me the wrong way the whole time. Just, yeah, I, I couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, that's true. And I understand what he was doing, but, you know, for... Maybe for a horror game because that would that would help maybe, mm-hmm. but it, it it with the the sort of props you have to be very careful about what you're going to do with them. I mean, like how I mean they 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 have a greater chance I think of being disruptive or distracting from the game, yeah. which I think Chris's did. Uh, people were thinking more about the prop than they were about the game. We're thinking about how it did. Now I think I think it could be helpful. For example, I've always wanted to run a survival game, like you're all lost in the wilderness, mm-hmm. and actually hand out like food, like actual rations or something like that at the beginning of the game, and ban all other food and water at the table. And for the rest of the game, the only thing you can eat is what those rations. And those, if you want to regain hit points, yeah, you have to eat the rations. So, um, and when you run out, you run out. Yeah. So, or you can ask your you can ask the players around you for more if you run out. Yeah, exactly. So it becomes sharing because you actually have to trade them in character in as players. You know, some sort of resource <laughs> like that. I think maybe like you do the uh, Lord of the Flies conch shell. You know, where mm-hmm. whoever holds only the one who holds the conch shell can talk. Uh, that 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 could be effective. Um, okay, actually, one time I remember a, a, a mask was effective. Yeah, it was a vampire game. Yeah. And the ST, I played this guy maybe three times before he, he moved away. Yeah. But when we were doing, we were uh, meeting the Nosferatu Primogen. Yeah. And he got like a dirty looking uh, hockey mask. Yeah. Put on saying, you know, the Primogen will only meet you. Yeah. Wearing this. <laughs> and, and he, I mean, he was, he did a really good kind of gravely yeah. creepy voice for the Nosferatu. And the mask and all of the attention was drawn to it. Nice. So in that case, it was actually working. Nice. You know, they're, they're, I think, you know, if, if you're going to use masks, they can work. And But for God's sakes, don't wear a Darth Vader helmet if you're running a Star Wars game. <laughs> That's true. I, I've, it's never happened to me, but I know it could. Yeah, I'm Seriously, sure it has. you're not scary as him. Um, you know, I think 
again, sometimes perhaps props for mystery games. Because mystery games, I think, are yeah. more conducive to handouts anyways. Like, for example, like a sound recorder. Like, if you had a tape recorder and you actually recorded, like, a voicemail of a murder victim or something like mm-hmm. that with a vital clue in that, that could oh, be really Like, cool. the thing I wrote but we never recorded. Yeah. We were going to do the thing. It was the confession of a killer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wrote it, but I... We just we just never did it. Yeah, we just never got around to it. Um, we could still do that. We still could. Uh, so maybe uh, that could be a future ransom project. So uh, we'll 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 see. But I know I've um, yeah, and also with uh, uh, other props like an hourglass for a time oh, yeah. woman in a uh, fantasy. You, you, I mean, you could do like a stopwatch or an egg timer. But I think an hourglass. It, it it's more dramatic. Certainly, yeah. it's more dramatic. Um, another prop because it's it was paper, but it was a Patrick did a bloodstained map for mm. a Iron Heroes game. It was very good. Yeah. Oh, no. actually, speaking of time, I remember one game one time we used. Yeah. We ran a game on New Year's Eve. Yeah. And we actually had the whole game was something bad was going to happen at the stroke of midnight. Oh. So we actually turned on the coverage of the ball dropping. That's very cool. Yeah. yeah like a video. Yeah. So uh, you know, and it was it was the live broadcast of the of the ball dropping in, in Times Square. Nice. And we said, you know, you have to find the bomb that's going to go off before that the it actually strikes. That's midnight. actually a good idea. I, uh, uh, I hadn't thought of that earlier. A video as a prop. I mean, a video of something event. Now that's obviously a lot of work to do it. But for example, if you're running a certain type of game, you could get video of certain things very easily. For example, if you were doing a GURPS atomic horror game, Archive.org has a lot of public domain footage of nuclear tests, 1950s uh, educational video or instructional films. Oh, the turtle military- ducking and covering. Yeah, duck and cover. Uh, uh, things like that, and then if you're, you're a video editor, you're very ambitious. You could mix them up, add some distortion to it, some grain yeah. to make it even or, uh, freakier. Uh, that could video, be. I think there's also uh, sound. Sound. Now we're not talking. I'm not talking music, right? But like when you use the number station, yeah, and the fear itself, and the fear itself game. That was those things. I could just listen to those. Like, Son of a bitch. This is. I also did it in a Delta Green game. Um, I don't know. I don't think you were here for this one. It was called... Oh, Grover's... I think it was called Convergence. It was... Anyways, it was a recording of a UFO sort of thing. It was a very weird... I have it on my cell phone, actually. And it's a very kind of weird... I'll put it on the... I'll put it on the podcast. So I'll insert here. And... But I remember... There's a few times... One game I remember had a... We we were like we were trapped in a basement of a of a uh, some old, old abandoned factory. Yeah, and we didn't know that he actually had some. Uh, he actually hadn't hidden a few speakers in yeah. in, a, in the in his in his apartment and uh, had a looped sound of just water dripping. Nice. And we had no idea that this was coming from any anything. <laughs> so, and it's one of those. He was playing it just soft enough that we're. We're pretty sure we hear it, but we're not entirely sure. And actually, the thing was, he would actually just like increase the volume by like one notch every thirty minutes. <laughs> and that and that actually got really good. And apparently, what and apparently the icing on it was he also had then he had sound of water. He looped a sound of water dripping with the sound of something large and heavy starting at a distance and coming closer. Nice, nice. And it, he looped them together, and it, we're like, what the fuck? And finally, it was only at the end of the game that he's like, oh, by the way, and holds up the... It was an iPod shuffle he had it on. We're like, nice. oh, you son of a bitch. Nice, nice. I, I can, I really dig that. 
so again, yeah, if you have some small, small portable device to play sound effects like a cell phone, an iPod, something like that, and you can just queue it up and hit it instantly. Uh, I mean, again, don't have it be distracting or uh, detracting yeah. from the game. Yeah, so. don't, don't do it like a radio DJ with a whole board of sound effects you can yeah. play. Yeah, again, that, that's taken away from the game, I think. But, but just, you know, if you have, like, you know, a door creaking, right. they can just, you know, hit a button and have that play. Yeah, since I got the cell phone I, with a little memory card, I, I should do that more. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, um, other things, you can also, uh, other good sources for props, handouts, uh, public domain art, like if you're doing a horror game. Uh, German woodcuts of the uh, four, four Horsemen of the Apocalypse are always freaky. Um... There again, archive.org. old woodcuts in general. Yeah, really. That's true. Old art. Um, any other? And again, Project Facade, World War One photos. Look on popular forums for creepy image threads. Something awful always has one going yeah. on, and it's always. And uh, if you actually, uh, if you have the cash, or you have, you know, for, like you get like a commission from DeviantArt or something, yeah. or have a friend that's good at art. Get some. You can get some custom stuff too. That's true. I mean, if you're willing to spend a little dough for your game, that. I think it's a yeah. little better than doing like an, the altar for your, uh, <laughs> your yeah. terrain. Though, although if you actually have an artist in your group, you can kiss his ass a little bit to yeah. get some. You know, not, you know, no, don't do some actual bribery in game because you know That's players true. will see that. But see if like you know, you know, see if you can get them to do some stuff for you. Yeah. You know, and the only last thing I can think of is sort of the ultimate extension would be a costume. Now, I think I've it, personally have never experienced this, right? And I, I, I can't. I, my, I, I don't remember any time where I did either. But I have a horrible memory. But I've, I've heard of other games well, that use. Okay, it. well, actually, I guess that the mask could be considered part of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking, like, in some situations it could be really fun. Like, if you were doing a military game and you dressed up in a military uniform, you know, like, you're, you're going through boot camp or you know, something like mm-hmm. that, so you grab some army fatigues or whatever, uh, that could be really fun. Or, you know, you're doing a, a, a zombie survival game and, like, somebody dresses up as a sheriff or a SWAT guy or something like that. Yeah. Or a Western game where everybody has to wear a cowboy hat or a sombrero or something like that. I mean, something simple like that could really i think really uh help out with it so um or, it, it's kind of a gimmick but or, i think it's worth a yeah. try well, actually one thing i remember uh there's someone doing a uh i think it was gurps it was like you know kind of suburban horror kind of thing i just read about this but a guy that was playing a uh, an athlete actually did some of the black uh, black makeup under you know the mm-hmm. sunblock under his eyes yeah as a football player yeah and uh and and actually, and you know, kept up, kept in character as a fo- as a football player, kind of mix, you know, mixing retarded jock with Arlie or me from yeah, yeah. His full metal uh, full metal jacket. Nice, nice. So yeah, I think I think there's a lot of different things you can do. Um, but I think I, I think you it would be worth trying out sometime. I'd like to hear from the uh, uh, if you have had a great experience uh, in costuming with props, handouts, or whatever. Uh, post on our forums or email yeah. us or leave a comment here yeah. in the uh, this right. entry. Or if you've had it, or if you had it, if you've had a disaster with those, we'll hear from that. We'll, <laughs> we, we, like, we like to hear those too. Yeah, we we definitely enjoy hearing about the disasters. So um, anyway. I think that that sort of sums up what we have to say about that. I think coming up next, we'll have uh, Tom with us. I'll be reading some uh, stuff from my friend Andy. Yes, and then, of course, we have some favorite forum threads. And then, of course, shout-outs and the anecdote, the Chaplin incident. Ah, good stuff. Stay tuned, seriously. It's been a long time, and we have many things to do, and you are not sure what you are doing. Stop now. Stop now. 
Well, this part is actually not written, so I'm just talking and introducing that Andy had written something. It was called, I, tur I, I believe it was, yeah, it's called, I, Tonight I Passed on a Game. And he's, you know, he's going into a lot of, you know, not being able to do the games he wanted to do and missing what we used to do. I'm just going to read I'm going to read an excerpt of this of what he says are his favorite games, the things that really made him appreciate it. So, I start reading now. But I can't say it's the remaking of yourself on the sheet that defines my addiction. It's certainly the strongest dose I can get, but it's not the only flavor I like. I've had games that I can point to in the past, games where I was a character unlike myself, a character that grew in different ways and by changing the way they did changed me. Citation, I give you Underworld. The movie was crap, we knew this, somehow, and we called it Feeble, so what did we do? We hacked together a gang of freaks, geeks, and losers to make it right. We ran an Underworld game, starring me and Tom and Aaron mostly, but the supporting cast actually billed Ed the Head in the prologue, and took on a couple of cameos by Crow and a guy named Bro, who we don't talk about anymore. I was playing Blank, the Malkavian. Unbeknownst to the other players, I was actually Malkav himself. His core derangement was the uh, effective recreation of his identity through amnesia that wiped his mind clean every few hundred years. The game was supposed to be only 1% World of Darkness. The rest was supposed to be our re-envisioning of the Underworld movie. It worked marvelously. Who knew that the only real problems with Underworld was the lack of explosions and betrayal? It was straightforward. Have two outcasts find out the war between lichens and vamps was in fact perpetrated by the machinations of a human conspiracy. And all of a sudden you've got a brew for my liking. Big moment. Vlad's betrayal. Straightforward and obvious, and I never saw it coming. Afterworld. Not the sequel you might assume it is. Afterworld was a chance to finally break new ground with my old allies. We were testing my system, so it wasn't a White Wolf hack. And we were setting the story in a completely original world, so it wasn't a patch for crummy cinema. It was the future. It was a world of heavy metal, 80s new wave, cockney accents, and dinosaurs. We blew up so many bridges in that game, it's not even silly anymore. It's just plain awesome. A campaign where the characters started out matching action with overdue rent, and ended with daily consequences for being the first line of defense against the end of the world. By the beginning of the first year, we had to deal with buying ammo. By the end of my time in the home homelands, we were considering ways to thwart extra-dimensional beings. This is where New Cub became a staple in any Tommy Gun tale. And to this day, he, his team-up with us has made each new story that much better. Big moment. New Cub popping a two-wheeled side wheelie in a sports car to dodge a missile. A missile that wasn't there until Tom decided a two-wheeled side wheelie deserves a missile flying underneath it. Alterscape. I didn't run it all the time. I ran a hell of a lot of it, but I didn't run it all the time. I got a lot of memory making life-enriching gaming in with Crow at the helm and a lot of really, really awesome time with Tommy the Gun playing Ringleader. i punched Elder Vampires, I've kicked Iteration X in the face, I've even mouthed off to Sith Lords while unarmed, but I've never had as much fun as I have in the Alterscape. The premise is simple. You play yourself going to that world called Imagination. Your destination is a slowly growing patch of light off to one corner of the realm. It's designed to be a game world by the players of the game for the players of the game. Alterscape can't be published, it's not a book. It can't be traded, it can only be shown to you. You have to be invited, and then you have to invite someone else. Big moments. Telling me in New Cup that he's going to be a dad, while afloat at a Daloon airship over the mountains of, Gra of Gracagor. In all the moments that make me smile, I see violence as a way of doing what is right to the opposition of good. I see impossible odds unfold in completely amazing deus ex machina ways that turns the tables on despair and puts the victory in hope's hands. I've seen friends fight each other as much as they fight for each other, and then they all come out different. 
and I've seen places that would take your breath away, leave you gasping. With imagination, I've seen the edge of waters that lap the shores of a void along the horizon of an Epica island. I've seen the great worms that writhe in a cleansing act through humanity's filth on the moon core of Petrus. I've seen the bright hot sun roll through the stained glass of a mighty trek keep, or trek keep, wanderers the wastes of Rudaria. I've even led an army of werewolves in a battle to stop the rebirth of an ancient evil awakened by an old nemesis. I guess if I had to guess, I thirst for that again. I thirst for it the way it was given to me by Drake, Trouble, Crow, New Cub, and Tommy the Gun. I want to see the vivid depths of what you would call home if you could move into the floating castle that hovers at the innermost of your daydreams. I want to find out what you'd think up if you had, a paint, had to paint a face on the monster that frightened you most, or the demon that never left you alone. I want to see where you would go if we could go anywhere. But most of all, I just want to go on big adventures. Just brought a tear to my eye. Tom. Yeah, not my new, nor, not my usual, you know, butt fuckery that I tend to talk about when I write a letter. Yeah, but it's pretty good stuff for Mandy that I felt should be shared. And I was being I te- sarcastic. I, I know. Yeah. Well, I technically, I didn't have his permission to do that, but he put it up on a public website. So okay, well, fair enough. That that means it's that means anyone can use it. That's right. That's not how copyright works. I huh? I don't know how copyright works, Ross. Well, it doesn't work like that. I just that. know they I'll put take... a little C with a circle around it when something's copyrighted. Yes, what uh, technically everything is copyrighted as soon as it's written, at least in American copyright law. I see. Well, yeah. well, I just thought I'd share a little, uh, you know. If we get sued, Tom, it's your fault. I thought I'd share a little drama. All right, fair enough. Um, but anyway, we have some uh, a couple of our favorite forum threads. Um, first off, I would like to mention the uh, um, Me- Mega Shark versus Octopus. This is a thread talking about the trailer of this new movie, which is a classic, soon to be a classic, starring Lorenzo Lamas and Deborah Gibson. Lorenzo Lamas, and it's about a Mega Shark. By uh, being tricked into fighting a mega octopus. And this is this anything like Boa Burst versus Python? It's even better, Tom. How how can that be possible? The shark can jump out of the water and eat a helicopter, Tom. Well, whoop-dee-doo. <laughs> I've uh, seen two giant snakes fighting. Well, this with is a, a line actually said, the only way we can defeat this snake is with a bigger snake. <laughs> <laughs> or you know a nuclear weapon, but that that's not as dramatic. So. Or or just a simple airstrike. Yeah. So um, Tom, uh, what's one of your favorite threads? Well, I like the one that's simply called "Riffs, motherfuckers." Riffs, motherfuckers. Yes. That's no motherfuckers. Motherfuckers. I'm. There's a difference. I'm sorry. I enunciate. Enunciate. Yes, I should enunciate. So, what what about it, Tom? Do you? Do you it's li- just. You like riffs, don't you? Admit it. I like. I love the idea, and it, it actually pains me to have that cool an idea stuck with a system as shitty as that. You know, I was actually playing 4th uh, Ed D&D today at Metagames Unlimited, and the table next over to us, they were playing Rifts. No shit. Yes. Yeah, I actually, there was actually a Rifts game I was uh, at Gen, Gen Con I was thinking of signing up for, just to, just to relive it. Yeah, well, you, you might want to do that. 
Or I could run one. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Running a system I hate, but a setting I love. There you but go. really, it's just the, this, just the name of the thread alone is enough to get me interested and happy. Right. It was just... And I haven't even responded to it, because what can I say that I haven't already? <laughs> there you go. Fair enough. Um, one thread I really like is games you would run if you had the players for it. Good uh, question. This is a uh, larger thread. It's talking about all the games you like to run, but your players either won't put up with it, or you just, you know... they You don't trust them. Or you don't, don't trust them, or just for whatever reason you can't run it. Uh, a lot of discussion about various RPGs, a lot of obscure ones, a lot of indie games. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff in it, so I would check that out uh tom you i think you had one more um the lessons learned at rpp yeah lessons yeah. learned at rppr yeah so uh, it's kind of a it's just listen listen to our actual plays and and then insert a insert a funny line of things you yeah. might have learned using yeah. one of our little bullshit things like <laughs> things you've learned about how to properly anal rape somebody with a pistol. Yes, well, that's horrible, Tom. You're a horrible, horrible person. I'd like to think I've I'd like to think I've improved a little. Yeah, I guess since you 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 feel bad for it or something. I don't know. Well, that, this was the dark ages. <laughs> this was the dark ages of my late teens, early twenties, man. Okay, Come on. Okay, fine, fine. So. But I still look back fondly at them. Oh, uh, did I just shoot down any credit? I might have started to get the there you sympathy. Go. You, you pretty much, pretty much. So but, I'm, I'm yeah. stuck as an asshole now. Yep, pretty all much. All right, well, all right. That's the way it is. Um, so why don't we talk about, of course, our uh, shout-outs. Uh, yes. The things that we think you should look at. Or Both of mine are DVD box sets. All right, what's the first one? The first one is The Henry Rollins Show Season 1. Season 1, okay. I have recently picked this up, and I will, first of all, you know, anyone who is listened even badly to this show knows yeah. i love henry rollins yes we even went to go see him live in st louis yes and his show is that is really good you know pretty cool interviews but what i especially like are his letter letters from henry which inspired my letters from tom true and the and his uh teeing off yeah which is he just he talks about something in the world that is pissing him off oh and he covers everything everything from the FCC to, you know, the the Bush administration, because this was during the Bush administration. Yeah. But it's Henry Rollins giving his own little spin on it that makes it so much better. <laughs> okay. And I gotta admit, I gotta admit, when he interviews his hero, one of his rock heroes of Iggy Pop, it's a good interview. Okay. Um... Now, one of the things, I, the first thing I'd like to mention is um, a bag I just picked up. Um, is it... This... Is um you can't see it because you're listening, but this is the M51 Engineers bag, which I picked up from uh, uh, ArmyNavyDeals.com, and it is the uh, an awesome shoulder bag, uh, you know, something you can carry over your shoulder, uh, you know, uh, kind of a messenger bag configuration, but it's got all kinds of pockets and patches and uh, pouches and armor uh, plating. Um, you know, you can carry your books in. It's got a little uh, see this plastic clear thing, Tom. This I is, like wait, for wait. a map. I, yeah. see, I see a plastic clear thing. Uh, you people at home, it is a class, clear plastic thing. You see, thing. you can stick... It's under the hood of it, and you can stick a map in it. So you I, can stick a map in that's it. That's what he did. See, like, that's what I'm going to be carrying at Gen Con. I'll put the map of it in there, and when I need to figure something out, I'll look, whip this out, I'm like, oh, that's where I need to go. But, uh, I mean, the main thing is, like, on the back side, you know, you got these two things here. 
Velcro! I know, right? I'm putting in sound effects. You get the zipper here, and then look at this shit. You got all these little pouches. Look, I bought a tube of dice, so I can stick that in there. I can get more tubes of dice. Uh, so, you know, like one full of D10s for White Wolf or One Royal Engine. You know, one uh, 3D6s for uh, GURPS, and then like little pouches here. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Holy jumping fucking Jesus. Look oh, at this. It cost me 24 bucks at uh, Army Navy. 24 bucks? That, that can't be right. I know, 24 right? bucks for this genius thing yeah and the zipper broke off so maybe it's not quite as good as <laughs> oh <that>. my god <laughs> look at that oh uh, my god wow i'm talking about how great this bag is and the zipper fucking breaks. that off. is that's awesome oh uh, well it's still an awesome bag and it's actually for something i'm not gonna use but uh, you will get laid carrying <laughs> that around with you i mean yeah it, there it, are gonna be some gamer groupies banging you at gen con look at this thing look at this tom here do you take a look at oh, it can i touch it yes you can i'm touching it i know oh my god it's pretty awesome i'm losing it? weight look, there's a, there's there's side patches too side pouches mother of the other god one you could fit a water bottle in because it's got a little oh my god i know right this is quite possibly the best moment of my life. Really? No, but I'm pretending. Here, I'm going to hand it back to you. I don't think I can take the awesomeness. Oh. Well, anyway. That is a hell of a bag. It is a pretty, it's an M51 engineer's bag, uh, and I would recommend picking one up because it's pretty awesome. So. Do it. Pick one. Um, what was your other box? Oh, yes. Yeah. So I was distracted by the awesomeness of the bag. Yeah. No, my other box set is the complete series of Black Adder. Yeah. Seasons one through four. Yeah, and I must say, I well, I'm, I've always been a huge Monty Python fan. Someone actually recommended, dude, have you ever heard of Black Adder? Which I no, I did not. Said you have to check it out. It's you know, it's really funny. It's comparable to Monty Python. Well, I don't consider it that. It's different. It's a different kind of humor. Yeah, it's still British but different. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I've, um, how how far have you gone to season four yet? How, is that the World War One? Yeah, that's yeah. uh, that's Black Adder goes forth. Yeah, um, I'll have to borrow and that. I, from I've, you. Uh, I've seen a few episodes of it, but I haven't watched all of it. Yeah, it's uh, season one is the weakest. Yeah, but season two, three, and four are just comic gold. Awesome. But I, I have to say, I've heard that the ending to the uh, to the part to the fourth season is actually. Have you finished it yet? Um, well, I you know you, there's scenes all over YouTube. Okay. They said, dude, Elite, you got to check out the last scene of the last season. Right. And it's them, you know, you know, all, well, it's, I mean, all it, it's all the main characters going over the top, yeah. out of the trenches, and it just slows down, showing them running, and then it kind of just stops and shows. Oh, wait, wait, you're spoiling it for well, everyone. Well, it's just a really poignant ending to a comedy series. Right. And I'm like, holy crap, that's pretty good. Awesome. Well, um, I'll have to borrow that from you whenever yeah. you're done with it. Um, so, anyways, I had a couple more. Um, I'm just going to mention these uh, real quick. Uh, first, uh, two movies, uh, The Burrowers and Splinter. The Bur- both are I did watch movies. The Burrowers. Oh, really? Yes, I did. Did you like it? Yeah, I did. Those things work. The the, the Burrowers. Yeah. It, yeah, it was kind of a nihilistic movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a very dark horror movie. Um, it's one It's one of the, where the monsters are horrific, but the people are horrific, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not just the cavalry. I mean, the cavalry is obviously... It's, it's, but the Indians are pretty fucking... Uh, brutal. Brutal, too. So, it yeah. It's set in the Wild West. Uh, Nebraska, uh, nine, or 1879, or North Dakota, I think. Uh, 1879. Uh, a settling family, you know, 
half of them are dead, half of them are missing. They presume Indians, so a search party goes out. Search party finds the burrowers instead, and bad things happen. So they don't they don't kill nicely. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, but don't spoil it. I'm not saying anything. All right. Good. Uh, next horror movie is Splinter, which is uh, I, I, I'm, I I could have sworn I talked about this before, but I haven't given it a shout out yet. It's a great little horror movie about uh, four people stuck in a gas station with a monster outside. Siege movie scenario, but it's good acting, good script, great monster. It's like a zombie kind of thing, like mm-hmm. John Carpenter's thing, where it has these spikes growing at you and you get stuck. And you don't want to get stuck by the splinters. I must watch this movie. Yeah, it's fucking great. So, um, and then finally, I would like to mention Level Up Magazine, Goodman Games' new fourth ed D and D magazine. It's issue one's come out. It's only two dollars an issue. Mm-hmm. Lots of great stuff for players and GMs. New monsters. First issue has dinosaurs in it. Tom, Mother of God. Yeah, you want to go? You want to pick that up, don't you? You got you got it. Yeah, I think I'll just look at yours. <laughs> it's two dollars, Tom. You should go buy a copy. Why would I do that when I could look at yours for free? Because I'm not going to let you borrow it. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. No, no. Yeah, yeah, you could yeah. get the dinosaur mount. You're going to let me look at it. <laughs> yeah, but you can't borrow it. So Fine, it, I'll look at it. Yeah, you'll borrow it, or you'll buy copies. But anyway, you'll. Uh, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good uh, uh, little, for, if you're interested in 4AD D&D, you should check it out. <gasps> Lots of neat stuff. Adventures, encounters, mm. monsters, players, feats. Oh. And uh, yeah. I, this isn't a shout out. I just want to say that I watched re, uh, yesterday the riff tracks for uh, Twilight. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think I could have sat through that movie without it. <laughs> I damn. is it, is it? But it's worth it with the. Riff oh track. my god, yes. Yeah, that's some of their best stuff. It is. It really is. Um, so finally, of course, I'll, I'll just to that. I'll just say line, <laughs> line, camels and birds. <laughs> If you watch the the Rift Tracks of Twilight, you'll know. You'll know. Uh, we actually have been quoting it at the fourth head game I've been playing at because uh, they've been they the GM and one of the other players has seen it too. So uh, yeah, of course for our group it's simply we're just quoting the like a boss, like a boss. Uh, Greta Bad uh, from the uh, the album Incredibad from uh, the Lonely Island. Of course, those guys who are on SNL and they so, did yeah, Dick in a Box. When you get to our latest, they have a no- new one out called Mother Lover. Which is, oh, yeah. well, that's an SNL digital short. It's not on Incredible Ad, so. Okay, but it's kind of funny too. Yeah. So when you get to our current episode, we just did. Uh, y- you'll hear it. Yes. All right. Um. Anyway, so finally, I guess we're down to the anecdote. Last and what an anecdote least, it is. Yes. Um. All right. This is from uh, Mr. Scott Adam Scott Glancy, publisher of Pagan Press, who did Call of, or Excellent. Delta Green and uh, the you know Call of Cthulhu Dig to Victory. Dig to Victory. So yeah. this is not him, but this is what he's uh, sent us uh, as he's become a fan. So, anyways, apparently, why while Pagan Publishing artist slash cultist Blair Reynolds was running the campaign Walker in the Wastes for his friends up in Fairbank, Alaska, two players became convinced through no fault of the keeper that Charlie Chaplin. The Charlie Chaplin <laughs> was a cultist of Ithaca. Um, Ithaca, of course, is sort of the the giant Yeti, great old one. I the mean, Wendigo. The Wendigo. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, this chain of irrationality, I like that phrase, that led to this conclusion is almost too painful to recount. Yet I will nonetheless attempt to reconstruct the player logic behind this atrocity. Thank you. Yes. The players had just returned from the first expedition in Walker in the Wastes and were in New York City at a reception thrown at the uh, museum or by the Museum of Natural History. A member of the party had delivered a paper on the 
Inuit of no- Northern Canada, but the entire party had attended the reception. Two of the players were approached by, at the reception by real-life historical figure Marion Davies, who, the longtime mistress of Charlie Chaplin and previously the mistress of William Randolph Hearst. She got around. Yes, she did. In real life, Davies has an interest in all things archaeological and uh, anthropological, so she begins asking them questions about their expedition. The keeper, Blair, had thrown her into the mix to add a little historical flavor. Oh, yeah. Flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. But two of the players were not fooled. They knew Blair, knew his messy divorce, and his uh, resultant opinion that anyone not having a Y chromosome was a two-faced, unscrupulous whore, and that they knew he would never introduce a female into the situation unless she was a bloodthirsty cultist who would plan to lop off their wedding tackle and use their severed members for toothbrushes. All women are chaotic evil thieves. Exactly. Thank you. Um, they realize that they must follow her before the opportunity slips away. So when she leaves the reception, they hail a cab and utter the immortal phrase, follow that car. <laughs> they tailor to a five-star Manhattan hotel and slink away into the lobby to see where she is going. Once they determine what floor she is on, what room she's in, they decide to climb up the fire escape in the alley to look in her windows. (laughs) Uh, Now, it should be noted that all this hotel ninja action is being performed while one player is dressed in a tuxedo with a tails and a top hat, and the other player is dressed in his dress blue military uniform complete with a chest full of medals (laughs) and a peaked cap. They are not blending in, and they are peeping Toms watching Marion Davis get undressed, shower change her clothes at no point does she do anything cultish related or even remotely suspect (laughs) then she places a call packs her bag reads a book until she gets a call back and goes downstairs the two players watch everything she does with rapt attention (laughs) trying to make out the title of the book overhear the phone call and now it's raining they're soaked to the skin from hanging out on the fire escape they change downstairs and uh, see her limo pulling away flag down a cab throw a suspicious amount of money at the driver and bellow (laughs) follow that car (laughs) alright and this is only page one of three by the way she goes goes to Union Station. They follow her into a train for Boston. Soaking wet, they have to buy tickets from the conductor because they failed to do so before boarding. Another follow that car and another (laughs) suspiciously large tip brings them to the ferry to Nantucket Island. Idyllic getaway to the rich and well-bred. They buy tickets and shadow Miss Davis all the way to Nantucket. At no time does she does anything odd or super uh, suspicious and the keeper, Blair, takes great pains to describe how not suspicious she (laughs) is is in fact everything that happens he has to pull out of his ass because none of the the, none of this uh was planned for before these two nimrod derailed the scenario what's worse is the amount of detail that blair's providing is taking as proof that they are on the right track (laughs) so you think the poor gm can't win for losing all right after all, there's no way Blair could have had this much detail ready if it wasn't part of the adventure, right? <laughs> Player logic. Yeah. All right. Meanwhile, the four other players have to sit by themselves in the other room waiting for Frick and Frack to rejoin the party. <laughs> oh, did I not mention that despite the entire party being at the same reception, Tweedledum and Tweedledumber <laughs> never bothered to tell the other players what they were doing? <laughs> no, of course they didn't tell anyone else what they were doing. They just ran off. Some of the other players were nervous about what kind of trouble the Wonder Twins were going to get themselves into <laughs> and wanted to get a, go out and try and find them before they slapped their rings together <laughs> into the form of catastrophe shape of massacre. 
Uh, the most experienced player knew that it was far too late since the prodigal players have a three or four hour head start in Manhattan and the rest of the group has no idea where to start looking. They figure the only thing they can do is get some sleep and check the skyline for columns of smoke in the morning. They have the right idea. Uh, at Nantucket, a limo is waiting for Miss Davis with no taxis to hail the players do the natural thing and immediately steal, steal a car. They follow her to a beachfront hotel or house, beachfront house, where a number of expensive cars are parked. They uh, park out of sight and belly crawl to the house. <laughs> yes, they're still wearing the damp tuxedo and military dress uniform. They observe a pool party going on with a gramophone, gramoph- gramophone playing music and people dancing and drinking and flirting. Miss Davis uh, ha- emerges having uh, changed into a swimming costume. On her arms is the world-famous uh, silent film star Charlie Chaplin. The next words out of the player's mouth are, Oh my God, Charlie Chaplin's a cultist! <laughs> Unbelievably, Blair, the keeper, kept a straight face and simply asked, What do you do now? <laughs> Uh, finding that they have their only that they have their sidearms and a few dozen rounds between the two of them, they refuse to fall back. Tell the rest of the party where they have found and bring up reinforcements and more firepower. After all, if they retrograde the cultist and get away, uh, they'll lose this once in a lifetime chance to decapitate the cult's leadership and save the world. <laughs> all right. Uh, instead, these two Cretans decide that they must immediately attack this group of cultists. An astonishing decision in a insofar as that there are at least 40 cultists in quotation marks and they only have two handguns between them realizing that they need an edge they go back to their car and grab an empty can of petrol from the boot they (laughs) siphon gas out of their tank fill the can after fumbling a roll and getting gasoline all over one of them (laughs) and return to the house when the pool party moves inside at sunset the two players creep up to the house and begin pouring gasoline all over it not satisfied with the area covered by one can, they sneak around front and go from one limo to the other, siphoning more and more gas out. They even prep the limos with wads of gasoline-soaked rags in the open gas cans. Uh, where do these rags come from? Good question. They tear the arms off the shirts to make them, but they put their jackets back on to cover their torn shirts because they don't want to look suspicious. <laughs> inevitably they set the house and the limos on fire and as the screaming party guests run out of the inferno the players empty their guns into them they end up shooting over a dozen people some fatally after firing a couple of magazines worth of bullets into men and women armed only with baby bathing suits they scurry back into their stolen car and drive screaming back to the ferry docks to make good their escape only to discover that the ferry doesn't leave until the next morning rather than looking for a, a fishing uh Shack or private boat to take them back, or fishing smack. Uh, these two inconspicuous men smelt of burnt cordite <laughs> and gasoline covered in mud from belly crawling uh, around Charlie Chaplin's beach house, offered the captain of a ferry a thousand dollars bribe to leave immediately. He does so, and when our two heroes arrive at the main train station of Boston, they repeat the process, bribing a conductor to have them train to New York at least half an hour early because, well, <laughs> clearly, time is of the essence uh after all they've been gone in game time for nearly 30 
six hours. <laughs> when the two geniuses arrive back at the uh, party's hotel, they burst into the room still wearing the remnants of their former flying dress, covered in mud, stinking of gasoline, and taking a mile, talking a mile a minute to recount their brilliant discovery that Charlie Chaplin was a cultist and the heroic and cunning plan they used to neutralize Char- the Chaplin threat. The other players were horrified. Eventually, they re- uh, convinced the genius brothers that Charlie Chaplin was not a cultist and that they had made a colossal mistake. But when the other players tried to explain how their entire world would be hunting them down, the two geniuses just shrugged their shoulders and said, What's the big deal? He's just an actor, right? Ugh. <laughs> Once the other players explained to these fucktards that they had attacked the, uh, the most popular man on the planet and that their cunning escape had all the subtlety of a cinder block thrown through the <laughs> front window of a Fifth Avenue jewelry store in broad daylight by a naked man wearing a live badger strapped to his head, they realized that their only option was to turn themselves in and roll up new characters. Uh, when I ran into the guy from Fairbanks... Alaska Gen Con last year, I asked him if he knew Blair Reynolds or the guys they used to game with, since there was only one game store in Fairbanks, and I was not too surprised to find out that he did know them, although he had never gamed with them. When he knew um when he knew them they were in college and he was in middle school. But when I asked him if he knew the Charlie Chaplin uh story, he smiled and says, Oh yeah, every gamer in Fairbanks knows that story. So uh and now you do too. Fair listeners, you know. You know, if there's a woman who asks you about what you're doing, she's obviously an evil cultist trying to kill you. Especially if she's a historical figure. Oh my god. Just so many incredible leaps of logic. It's astounding. And, uh, I'm speechless, Tom. What else can you say to that story? You can't. There's nothing you can add. There's nothing. So, uh... That, that is, that's the grail. It's transcendent. I my mind is blown. It is. So uh I think we'll leave with that. So uh fairly like dream about dream about fires and swimming pools. And uh, Charlie Chaplin the cultist. So uh n- until next time. This is Ross Payton here. I'm with Tom, Tom Church. And uh sleep well. <laughs> and dream of wondrous cults. Mm-hmm.